Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Newfoundland... Oh, wait. No. God, God, gosh. This is God, not... Keep <laughs> that was God. part of... Keep that was part of the deal. That was part of the okay, deal. Okay, 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 okay. Come on. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, we still have to remember at the end of the day, I am the boss here, so. I'm keeping it in there. Thank okay. you, Keeb, uh, for correcting me, I guess. Uh, no, it is no longer the Newfoundland Gamer Podcast. We have rebranded, and we are now the Game On Network Podcast. And uh, with the rebrand, we have brought on two more hosts. Um, first up, we've got Kevin, the founder of the Game On Network. Um, his screen name is Chicken Wings. What's going on, Kevin? How's it going? Uh, it's pretty good tonight, and I've been mostly doing a few things for the site lately. But other than that, nothing else has been going on lately. Good deal. And, uh, of course, a good buddy of mine, Stu. You know him as Mr. Dude to a Six. What's up, man? My cholesterol, and I broke my TV. Oh, that's Aww. a shame. Yeah. That sure is a shame. Moment of silence on that. He threw his Weebo at the TV. You're mean, Keep. Why are you so mean? <laughs> I've been watching a lot of those Wee Fail videos lately. They're pretty damn funny. Well, before we get too far into it, I want to make sure you know that still with us is, of course, Chad Keep, the joking gamer. How's it going, Keep? Hey, what's up, everybody? What's up? And, of course, Mike, Mike will be the game genie. How's it going, buddy? Well, because of the new rebrand, I'm super duper fantastic. I love it. I love it. Uh, so, look, you know, we're, we've got a couple things to talk about tonight, a lot of things going on, and um, a lot of cool stuff that we've just kind of been discussing in our own time with each other and stuff like that. Um, so the the first thing I, I think it you know it's it's only fitting that we talk about the rebrand first, and um, you know kind of uh, why we've done this, what our goal is, kind of where we're headed with this, and and so forth, so on. So Mike, why don't you kind of start off for us and kind of explain because I think you put it best of everybody that I've talked like when we've been talking about it why we've done this and uh, what's going on. So well. I think the probably the best reason to ever bring it up was when we started doing this podcast, the idea was it was going to be myself, Chad. Uh, we were looking to get another person that wasn't able to commit, and also Derek the Completionist. And it was going to be four gamers from Newfoundland that talked about gaming, YouTube, other things like that. But unfortunately, the membership was just me and Chad in the end. And Chris, you were thankful enough to come on and join us, and a lot of people brought it up. They were like, what are you doing on the Newfoundland Gamer Podcast? And it just didn't make any sense, and it limited our abilities to bring people like Chris and like Stu and Kevin onto the podcast. So we wanted to do something that reached more of a global scope and didn't focus so much on Newfoundland that outside of me, Chad, and probably 500,000 people that live here actually know about Newfoundland. We wanted yeah. to do something that was a little bit more global and talk, focus more on gaming and, of course, the Game On Network, which uh, many of us are contributors on. Yeah, and that's... If which everybody on this podcast is contributors to. Well, once you're on the podcast, of course you're a contributor then, right? Yeah, um, exactly. Just by your voice being here. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, 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 it only made sense. And um, actually, uh, in a segment tonight, you'll actually hear a little bit of something from someone going, it doesn't make sense. But anyway, um, yeah, it, <laughs> it, it, it was uh, Yeah. It was, it was a good move, I think. And um, I was personally really excited to get these two guys on with us and, 
and to have a little bit even more of a roundtable thing happening when we talk. Yeah. So yeah, I'm looking I'm looking forward to seeing where where the magic takes us. So. Yep. So um, thanks for coming on board, fellas. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, thank you, sir. Weekend game guy. One. <laughs> Not two, but one. Uh, yep. <laughs> that's, that's, one. I, I really feel like I, I owe it to uh, the public at some point to explain why it's Weekend Game Guy 1 and not just Weekend Game Guy. I think the only person in here, I don't know, Stu, you might know, but I know, Mike, you know. So Yeah, I know. We'll, uh, we'll explain it at, at some point later on, I will. So Anyway, uh, that's, that's that for the rebrand. We're excited about it, and uh, it's been a pretty easy trans, uh, transfer so far. Um, the, the NL Gamer podcast YouTube channel, it, it'll still be up to have the archive of old episodes, but we're going to, we're going to move episodes from this point forward elsewhere, um, on, uh, to a, to the Game On Network YouTube channel. And, uh, as far as the iTunes thing, absolutely nothing will change. It'll just switch yeah. over on your phone or your iPod or whatever, and it'll automatically update. It actually has already updated. Um, so you might have already listened to an older episode going, wait, what the heck happened to my, but don't worry. It did what it was supposed to do. Yes, it did. Yeah. So, uh, why don't we, uh, why don't we talk about the first thing we want to talk about? We, was it the Nintendo stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, right on. <laughs> so, uh, all right. I, I personally don't usually watch the Nintendo direct. Um, and that's because, what? why not? Well, I don't have a Wii U, and I don't feel like like I'm going to get anything. Get one now. <laughs> I, I agree with you, um, <laughs> totally. Um, so uh, I, I do know I am aware of some of the stuff because I read articles that come out. Um, that's just kind of how okay. I get information. So, Mike, okay. why don't you start off? Um, I know that you you're pretty hot and bothered about some of the stuff, and and real excited about some of the stuff they announced. So uh, you kick it off, and we can kind of jump in from there. Well, you're kind of leading me up here. I don't know if I'm hot and bothered. I just and excited <laughs> and excited, but uh, actually, it turned out very well because I had to take a uh, sick day on Tuesday, and I didn't even realize Tuesday was Nintendo Direct day. So I watched Nintendo Direct, and uh, there were a lot of things that came out. They talked about a lot of the things we already knew. Of course, they gave updates on this new Super Mario 3D World, which, as I said in my E3 video. Now that people have seen a little bit more of it, and some people have got hands-on with it, they're saying that it might be one of the best Mario games ever made. Like, they're saying it's the sole reason for people to go out and buy a Wii U. It's, you know what, it's so looking that that it's like, it's pretty much the predecessor to, or the next great thing to the the two Mario Galaxy games. Yeah, it's a weird combination of a lot of elements of Mario. Uh, Yeah. It's very similar, though, to Super Mario 3D Land on the 3DS. So if you've played yeah. that, it's like that, just a lot more advanced. Anyways, yeah, there was that. Probably one of the biggest pieces of news that came out from Nintendo Direct that a lot of people are really upset by is that Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze will no longer be released in quarter four. They're actually going to hold development on it, halt development on it, and it's going to be released, uh, they're thinking, quarter two, 2014. Yeah. So. I guess they just want to. I guess really what they want to do there is just honor it at the game and really make it, you know, the best that they possibly can make it. Which means, which means thus, you know, I don't really have that much of a problem with it. Well, well, from that point, if if they're holding if they're holding development 
to try to iron out some bugs and make the game the best that they possibly can make it, well, that's all the best for it. Well, this is a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing, right? Because, like, everyone's everyone's already harping on Nintendo about not having any games, and this would have been a pretty decent game, right? I was one very excited about it. And uh, it was one of those titles that when I saw the previews for it and read about it, I was like, yeah, I, I want a Wii U, definitely. But the thing is, yeah, yeah. now I might hold off, and there might be other gamers out there that hold off on a Wii U and stuff like that. So there, yeah. the, the the argument's going to continue that, well, they don't have any games. But at the same time, if they'd have, they'd have rushed production and just jumped, dumped it out there and it had sucked, yeah. we'd have been down their throats again. So Nintendo... Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know. My, you were going to say something, Mike, and anybody Well, I, I have something. I, I think it's for a very different reason, but I want to hear what Stu and Kevin have to say. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, to this day, I still haven't even bought a Wii U game for that fact, you know? Yeah. Get Zombie U. <laughs> well, you know, tomorrow's the release of, you know, the, the, the special edition, whatever, the Wind Waker, so I guess that'll be number one game of what I've got. For what? I don't know. Six, seven months since I had the Wii U. Yeah. You know, yes. I just don't. I just do not. I refuse to buy something just to buy it. You know, the reason why I got the system is for you know the specific games for the Wii U, like the, the you know the Mario's, the Zelda's, and all that stuff. As for them trying to put out games just to put out games, you know, I would rather not spend my money on those, even if they are good. I, I just got to be picky, and if if the company wants to just spit stuff out to get things out, I don't think they should do that either, you know? No. Otherwise, it'll end up like the library of the Wii, and the Wii has a whole lot of just crapware and shovelware as well, so. Yeah. There are a lot within of again, but then again, within some, within some of those Within some of those crapware, those shovelware games, there are some hidden gems. Yeah, but I agree with are, that. But the thing is, you've got to dig so deep that it you know what I'm saying? You're, you'll be exhausted before you find stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, thank thank God we got each other, and we kind of recommend stuff back and forth. And, and you know what I'm saying? That's like, that's what saved us, you know, I think, because I yeah. I find Wii games all the time based on recommendations that people give me, you yeah. know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like finding uh, <laughs> Sin and Punishment Sarah's successor for 99 cents, brand new. Yeah, and you know, I, I found that on a recommendation, and then I recommended everybody else, and I know a whole bunch of people that picked it up after yeah. I recommended it. So, I mean, that's that's been like how I've really reconnected to the Wii. But you know, Kevin, what are your yeah. thoughts if you've got any? Well, um, my biggest problem is not the fact of shovelware because because there's going to be first party titles that everybody's going to want to try to get their hands on. But like what Keith said, that, you know, they have to try to perfect the game before making it come out because there's games like, you know, E.T. or Pac-Man back in the Atari 2600 days when there was a demand for putting those games on the console. They immediately rushed out the door without even playtesting it to get it into working order. And then it didn't sell very well. So, yeah, I, at the same time, I can kind of see why they would want to, like, get the game out there. But in the day and age where there's, like, um, of, like, firmware updates and patches and stuff, that they can immediately fix these problems. But I would rather have a fully functioning game rather than having to wait, like, maybe two or three weeks ahead of time after getting the game and then having to 
sit on it just like a coaster on your table but yeah yeah it's and also with um the independent market with that being a huge thing now that there's so many games coming out from that and even with stuff like kickstarter um there's a lot of things coming out for just that market alone that we can even hold off on you know first party games yeah. But again, if Nintendo is going to succeed, it's probably going to be with their first party stuff. And maybe doing like a separate, like maybe once every four or five months, release like a new uh, first party title and then doing the repeating uh, process over and over again. And I think that's probably the one thing that Nintendo is missing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my opinion is I don't think the game is held up in development. And I think Kevin's kind of on the right track there. I think what Nintendo have done, they've looked at their releases that are going to be coming out in the first and second quarters of 2014 and said, yeah, it's going to be real light. So a lot of people that are Wii U owners more than likely are going to get a little bit frustrated with the system. Like they're already getting frustrated. Like Stu mentioned, uh, there hasn't been a lot of games come out with a lot of mass appeal. And they understand they've got a couple titles there that people are going to go bonkers for. Super Mario 3D World, obviously, and Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. So I think that they've delayed it, not because they needed to, just to bolster what their lineup's going to be in that quarter and their sales numbers. That's my opinion. Yep. That makes that does make sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. What well, else? Another thing, um, another thing that I have been noticing a lot lately with the Wii U, because after this past E3, is the fact that I'm seeing a lot more new IPs this time around because they were only showing like maybe two or three games that were already confirmed that were going to be coming back as sequels. And then a lot of the other stuff that they were showing were first party exclusives like uh wonderful 101. And then that project X or whatever that thing is called that um, is being uh, made by monolith and, that one looks really interesting because it's like Monster Hunter with mechs. But yeah, yeah. It, I would like to really see a lot more, you know, new stuff coming out. And I think that's what they're trying to go for. Because I know a lot of people that are huge fans of Nintendo have been really craving for that new IP that could be like the next Mario or the next Zelda, or Donkey Kong, Metroid, yeah. or some other franchise. So if they can continue to keep up with that momentum, then I can really see a lot of good games coming out by next year alone. Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> uh, it's kind of interesting that you brought that up. Like Nintendo had focused on doing that, and I think that's a smart marketing strategy for them because realistically, if I buy an Xbox One, it's not going to be because I want to play third-party content that I can easily play on my PS3 or PS4 on the Xbox One. It's going to be, I want to play that next Halo game. I want to play the next Fable game. The games that we've become accustomed to as being exclusives to the system. So Nintendo's done a good job of taking games like Sonic the Lost World, which uh, I know a lot of people are upset about the DLC with, but, you know, Nintendo worked with Sega on this game. Then you've got a game like Bayonetta 2 that's becoming an exclusive for the system. Hopefully yeah. these are the games that are going to sell it, the ones that say, well, I need a Nintendo to play this outside of their own first-party titles. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Because with any system, you have to have, yes, you have to have that core first-party support. 
But you have to have that third-party support there for it to, you know, really sell. Well, I mean, it has like, to have a it has to have a balance mix of both. Well, they're already not getting that uh, third-party support. I mean, you think about it. Grand Theft Auto Five came out uh, two weeks yeah. ago, and it's you know arguably one of the best-selling games of all time already. Where was the Wii U version? Yeah. Yeah. It's not like it wasn't compatible. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to stick by that Nintendo image, maybe. What? Nintendo's already uh, I, Nintendo's I already broken believe. that image, and they have a history with Rockstar Games. Nintendo had their own first first party title made for the DS, Grand Theft Auto China, Chinatown Wars. So I mean, it's not like Nintendo's not willing to work with them. Yeah. And also for the fact that um, the, the the whole thing with like a lot of people calling the the system a kitty system when that's not really true because. If you remember back when Wii was first out, that families and casuals were getting involved in the system and people started hating on it, and then it started getting games like No More Heroes or uh, Mad what's World. the other one? Yeah, Mad yeah. World. And I Badass. actually love Mad World. I love but, it. <laughs> Sorry. But the problem, the problem. I need that to pick that game up. I heard it's supposed to be really good. You do. It's gruesome. <laughs> it it Go is. Ahead, but the big problem that I have with people is just that. And there's, like, you know, systems like the 360, which they say, you know, that's more inclined to adults when there were games that actually came out during launch, like Cameo Elements of Power, which, to me, is a very underrated game for the 360. But despite that, I think people are really taking the concept of the system too out of proportion because it's a good system, and it pretty much goes for any sort of market out there. And I think that, you know, is a topic that's gotten a bit out of hand, and I really do think that people need to at least give the console a bit of a chance, and then there will be those hardcore M-rated titles that they've been wanting to clamor for. And maybe in the near future, a Wii U version update of Grand Theft Auto V with a controller, because they've Clearly done it with games like Assassin's Creed and uh, what was the other one? Batman, Batman Arkham Asylum. Yeah. yeah, but that's the that's the problem. Like outside of Eight Bit Eric, who bought those games that were already released for like seven months on other systems? Yeah, <laughs> I know I did. No, why, <laughs> why why am I buying a copy of Mass Effect Three for seventy nine dollars, which is what they were charging at Walmart for Mass Effect Three? on the Wii because it has a couple extra DLC features. Correct. As opposed to when I could have bought it at the same time for nine dollars brand new at Walmart. You know, you know, a couple weeks ago when I, you know, Facebook some uh some, you know, Wii U games, I saw Mass Effect three for eight dollars and ninety nine cents at Best Buy. <laughs> I I still did not buy it just for that fact because I already have it. And then there was just a whole bunch of promotions. They're really trying to push the games that they do have now. But I really hope that that's not hurting the Wii U by people passing on it. You know what I mean? Because if they can't sell the games that they initially want to release, how are they going to make money to produce the ones that they're trying to produce? But, you know, it sucks both ways. But what can you do? You know, the consumers aren't just going to drop money to support a big company that's already big. And plus, I think... um... Nintendo was trying very hard to please everybody by the fact that the 
during the last generation, people were complaining about third-party games not getting as much love on the Wii as some people would have hoped. But um, I think now they're trying to get back to the gamers and say, like, yeah, we're going to try it as hard as we can to get third-party companies to actually develop games for the Wii U. But even still, that's a problem on its own because even Bethesda said that they're not wanting to actually support the Wii U, and then there's some other companies that are trying to do the same. But, again, it's it's trying its hardest to give these gamers something to actually play on the system. But, yeah, I do agree that at the same time it was a bit uh, of a disappointment to actually publish games that were already out months in advance when they could have actually brought out, you know, like Black Ops 2 when it came out during the same week as the Wii U did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, my biggest disappointment is Zombie U, which I thought was actually a really, really good game. I know it's not for everybody, Stu Fish, but <laughs> Zombie U actually was a really fun game. Like the people who have played it loved it. Like it's got a huge following. I know my my boys, the sixteen bit brothers, they're big fans of it. Uh-huh. A lot of people like Zombie U. But here's the thing: the company that third party company that probably backed, uh you know, the Wii U more than anybody else was Ubisoft, right? Yeah, I think and so. And so Ubisoft released Zombie U, and they uh, were releasing the whole uh, Assassin's Creed 57 or whatever we're up to right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but actually, Activision have been asked, like, what's the plans for Zombie U 2? And they're like, actually, we're not going to make it. We we had plans to do it, but we've just scrapped it now. It's not profitable. It's not on a profitable system. So the biggest supporter they had for third-party development and the people that were willing to work with them and make, you know, games just for that console have already said, we're not going to do this anymore. Yeah. Sucks. So I don't get a second zombie U and Stu Fish still won't buy the first one. (laughs) Unless it's on the dollar menu, I'm not going to get it, but you know. It's, it really is, it, I'm, I'm not, just play it, goddammit! <laughs> 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 yeah. So good. Let's talk I'm about the... Uh... I, I played the demo, I'm not saying it's bad, but, you know, I'd rather spend that towards something else. So, like Stu, <laughs> so Stu, is that all you're playing, is just, you know, demos on your... Or anything yeah, at all? Yeah, I'm just playing demos and, like, all the downloadable stuff you can get for the retro games, that's cool, but, you know, me being a collector, I kind of already have that stuff, so that's yeah. why... My tablet's been collecting dust, and you know, I I I text and I type people in the Meverse, and that's about all I do with the thing. But I'm just, it would be really cool if like um, they made some kind of update where you can play the Wii games on the actual pad itself. Then I would play it a bit more for the versatility of that. But as for the actual games that the Wii U has, you know, I I I got close to buying Resident Evil Revelations, but that's for the 3DS already. But you know, it's I got to have something to play, and I'm waiting just like everyone else for that killer app, I guess, but, you know. Yeah. Well, you, you just mentioned the, the pad update. That kind of flows really well. Uh, Mike, talk about that, the new <laughs> the update on the pad. So uh, there, was a, there was a Nintendo Wii U system update that kind of went a little bit unheralded. They didn't mention it in the Nintendo Direct. They didn't, it hasn't really been out there in the mainstream media a whole lot. But it's a massive update that actually allows Wii compatibility with the gamepad to an extent. You still can't play your Wii games with the gamepad, 
But now the audio and video from the Wii, uh, I, I haven't tried it myself yet, so I don't know the level of it, but the audio and video from the Wii is now also shown on the Wii U gamepad. So I don't know why they would go through doing this. Like, it it makes no difference to me. Why do I need to see the Wii gameplay on my gamepad? I still can't use the gamepad. So it's just like a little TV? That, that's basically it. That's all the update did, which that's, I think is ludicrous. <laughs> that's a little bit of a waste of time. Yes. But maybe it's a stepping stone toward being able to use the Wii, um, the the pad, to play the games. I, I, well, I would assume so, right? I mean, otherwise it's stupid. We talked <laughs> a little bit about this before. Like, Stu Fish brought it up. Like, how do you play half those Wii games with that tablet? Yeah, what do you do? Flail it wildly, you know? Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, that I'm a little awkward with, like, if I'm going to be playing, like, a Wii game, like, we talked about Sin and Punishment Star Successor, and I mean, yeah. you're pointing your Wiimote at the TV and stuff like that. Like, am I taking the Wii sensor bear and putting it on top of the tablet? Like, how does this work? Yeah. <laughs> it it's a wa- It seems like a waste. I, I guess maybe if they ever move to a place where you're actually playing, you could do the dual stick thing, I guess. But still, that that's so... That's so much less intuitive than, like, uh, in particular, Sin and Punishments, like, comes to mind perfectly. Like, that's so much less, you know, intuitive than the, the Wiimote. I'd be I'd be a lot happier. Like, I need, I need some time to actually play it and confirm, but maybe if I can play my Wii Virtual Console games with the gamepad, I'd feel better about it. That would but be cool. But it just, it doesn't make sense with the Wii games. Like, the, I don't see any benefit to streaming the audio and visual from the Wii emulator that they have on the wii u well maybe that's uh say if you're you know someone's you know child and dad dad wants to play this game but they don't want their son to mess it up maybe give i guess that wouldn't work either because you'd have to have two tablets right yeah makes no sense stupid nintendo (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but what they should do which they possibly could be doing is you know like he mentioned earlier is port ds games to the the eShop, and then we can use the TV as one screen and the tablet as a secondary screen, and then they can do it that way. But that's still it's it's pushing it further and further away of actually having the Wii U to its fullest capability, yeah. which is it's it doesn't make any sense. But I I, I I actually don't want to see that. I don't want to see eShop games, DS games on the eShop. Like I I've talked about this ridiculously. I mean, all the DS games are, they're, you know, first-party SD cards. I mean, why can't we just slip our DS games into the Wii U somehow, or maybe through some kind of adapter, and play it with the Wii gamepad? I, I don't want to see eShop versions. I want to see, I want to be able to take my DS games out and just yeah, plug them into I, something. I agree with you on that one. Yeah. Nintendo have already, like, especially with the Wii U, They've already gouged us as much as they possibly can, like, with the Wii Virtual Console games not automatically switching over to the Wii U Virtual Console. Like, I know we only got to pay a buck or a buck fifty, but still, I don't think I should have to pay anything. <laughs> no, you've already bought it. Yeah. But they're they're hurting for money, so. Yeah. <laughs> so is <But>, Capcom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's up with all the big companies hurting for money? I mean, they're stupid and messing up. They obviously know what's going on, but they're trying to... You know, it's just like uh, way off topic. Why they want don't want to redo Final Fantasy VII because they feel that if they do, that it, they already failed. That's stupid. Yep. Well, have you guys heard that? Yeah, I've heard that. Have they yeah. not seen the last like 
four Final Fantasy releases and realize they already have failed. Yeah, yeah. Square Enix is next. It's crazy. Yeah. Squenix. I'm telling you, it'll be Capcom and Konami. That Mike, you said it last time. There'll be Capnami. They're gonna come together and make, and make a Mega Man Contra. <laughs> Mega Contra. Mega Contra. Actually, yeah. that could be an awesome homebrew game for the NES. See? I'm can a you, genius. Can you imagine playing like Mega Man with Contra difficulty? One hit deaths? Yeah, it'd be <laughs> that'd be really hard. That would be brutal. It's, it's the next advantage. Yeah, they can do like a a Marvel slash Star Wars fighting game, you so, know, since you know, just mix it all up. Why not? Yeah. Go, yeah. Going back to the Capcom things, too, I talked about this last week. I think people have a piece of a financial statement that just shows that Konami only, uh, Capcom only has so much money in the bank right now, but that's not necessarily their financial position. And yeah. that's not uncommon with game companies, that when they do have multiple projects up in the air, that they have a lot of money put into research and development and a lot of money put out into payables, but uh, and the cash is spent, but... They don't have any indication of what the receivables are, what they're expecting to generate. I don't know if Capcom's really as bad off as people think they are. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, uh, we kind of mentioned an attachment for the Wii U. Um, let's talk about an attachment for the PS4, if I'm not mistaken, they're going to do as an attachment. Let's talk about the, the Vita TV. Um, it's a separate console, man. Yeah, but but if I'm not mistaken, they're, they're, they're talking about a way to plug it to your PS4 or... Am I completely uh, they, they initially wanted the PS Vita to be kind of like the Wii U and the tablet. Yeah. But because uh, they initially wanted to do that for the PSP, but it wasn't strong enough. So then they released the PS Vita, which is not very, you know, compatible with the PS3. You can do <laughs> some remote play, but now they're saying, oh, well, if you have the PS Vita and the PS4, then it'll work. But they just, um, the PS Vita TV, I personally think would be a good idea, but... That's just for people that don't want to bring their games for the PS Vita on the go. It's it, it's it's like a lot of companies are trying to take take their items and just redo them to resell them. It's just it's weird. Good idea, bad idea. Uh, actually, good idea in a way. You I, know, for all of us that like, you know, basically basically all of us that earn on the go a lot. You know what I mean? And we want some way to play those games, you know, at home versus, you know, sitting on the couch and playing yeah, them guess. that way, you know? Uh, I don't know. I don't <sighs> want to play handheld games on the TV. Like, so, like, it's funny because I'm completely, you know, contradicting myself about the DS stuff earlier. But, like, I really like the PS Vita. Like, I like the way the Vita looks. I like the way the games look on the Vita. Yeah. And anybody who's played, like, uh, especially, like, PSP games and the remade PSP games for the PS3, they, there's significant issues with the games. The games aren't developed for your TV. No. Yeah. So I, I don't know how that's going to be. I mean, it's it's a I guess it's a cool feature for, um, we were talking earlier, like, casually, like, you know, for your Netflix and stuff like that. But, I mean... Is it worth it then? Like, I mean, you can go get it. Well, a... the, the, pr the price is only about a hundred and a half or hundred fifty around there. That's the last price that I heard. But I think that's well worth it to unlock the PSN network for the people. And also, there is an actual cartridge slot for the PS Vita games. But yeah. the one thing is, is that the the touch capabilities for some of the games they want to transfer that over to when the PS4 comes out. 
because the PS4 actually has that controller with the touchpad on it. So hopefully some kind of firmware update will help everyone with the PS Vita TV. But um, I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, I... so you use your DualShock 4, yeah, to yeah, so fix that, that what... problem with the, you know, touchscreen, right? Yeah, that, that that's what they're trying to do. But as for the, the actual PS Vita as a console itself, I don't I don't know. I don't know if it's a good idea or a bad idea to add another thing in the market. But I guess it could keep the games alive if the PS Vita is still around and the PS Vita TV is still by its side. You know what I mean? But th- yeah. yeah. Th- this doesn't remind you guys a little bit of Sega? I mean, I don't know. I guess that's just kind of how I thought of it whenever I heard, oh, another attachment. I mean, gra- granted, I think one of the coolest things about it is for people like uh, that do – um, reviews and stuff like so, that. It's a way to. <laughs> I'm really in the middle of a sentence, Keith. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, <laughs> I was going to say basically, what are we going to get a system that looks like it's got. Right, I'm still in the middle of my sentence, Keith. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. No, wait, no, was, in all seriousness, like, I, think it, I think it's a handy thing for, for guys that do reviews yeah. and stuff because you, could, you can stream into your capture device your Vita. Um, I don't know if there's another way to do that at this point. Um, I don't have a Vita, so I know that. You know, with the with the PSP, you know, you have to get the certain cables and stuff like that. So there's yeah. composite cable for the PSP. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. There's the, 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 the HDMI out for the PS Vita TV, and that could you know capture through your you know HD capture, so that would totally work. Yeah. Oh yeah, that would. Um, as of now, you can't you can't capture PS Vita. You have to actually record your actual screen. So a lot of people are doing that. Yeah. So that was, okay. Yeah. So Keith, what were you wanting to say desperately? I was gonna, I was just gonna say, are we gonna see another console that looks like the Genesis? Looks like it's getting, you know, bucked from two ends. <laughs> basically, the top, you know, and you know, basically looks, looks like it's getting fucked from both sides, or or it looks like there's two used tubers attached to it. I I don't know. <laughs> can we can we actually get a skip? Like, to the Bring to the, you know, the Sega 32X and the Sega CD. Can we actually get a, can we actually get a skit like they did on Family Guy where it was like, who else but Quagmire? Yeah. Every time Keith yeah. swears. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We might as well. Or, um, I, could, I, I, honestly think, I, I honestly think one of the reasons why they're doing this is because when a system falters the way that the Vita has with sales... Uh, they look for cheaper alternatives to get it out to the market because most companies like uh, PlayStation and especially with Wii U, they don't make a ton of their money off their actual hardware, the systems itself, till later on in the production cycle. Yeah. So what they'll do is they'll try to lower the price. And we've all wondered, you know, what's taken so long with the beta price drop and it didn't go down. And my guess is because they probably were already selling it at a loss to try to enter the market. So I think what happened was they looked at it and they said, is there any cheaper way we can build the PlayStation Vita? And they figured out no, and they said, oh, shit, how are we going to sell the games? Well, the cheapest way to do it will be PS Vita TV. We can sell it for 100 bucks, which is probably the entry market point for us to sell these games for it, and that's the cheapest way we can put it out there. We don't got to put a screen in. We can just use the base guts. Yeah. Like the 2DS. Yeah. Yeah. But smash it into a piece of plastic. But it's still kind of cool. 
Yeah. But not a lot of people are interested in that thing. Although I kind of with the 2DS, I kind of think like the uh, the trolls are in like an awkward position for me. Well, actually, uh, to tell you the truth, like I, we talked about this in the podcast, John was on. I like the idea of where the controls are because it reminds me more of the Wii U gamepad, which I really like the controls for. And to tell you the truth, with the DS right now, sometimes I find it heavy because the controls and everything's in the bottom. And the top part of the screen is actually a little bit heavier than the bottom at times. So I find it yeah. like an awkward control. So maybe a tablet might be a easier way to use it. Yeah. I, okay. I, yeah as far as the 2DS is concerned, as soon as I saw it, I wanted it. And um, yeah. I haven't wanted a 3DS. I haven't really been interested in it. Uh, but 2DS I'm very interested in. So The only thing... The only thing I'm a little disappointed with the 2DS, I assume that the 2DS would still have the big, like, 3DS XL screen. Yeah. But I don't think it does. I think it's gone back to a regular 3DS size screen. That's a little strange, too. It's a strange move. You know? Cause yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know for sure. I'm just looking at what I've seen so far. I don't know the exact yeah. specs. Well, I assumed it was, but. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm interested in the 2DS, but, um, yeah, it's a little bit of a departure what we were talking about, you know. <laughs> but hey, I, no, it's, it's all good because we were talking about Wii U, and I just happened to be thinking about it. And um, as far as killer apps and, and cool games and stuff like that, did you guys see the um the new Sonic that they're coming out with, the Sonic Lost World? It looks kind of like a Mario Galaxy ripoff. You seen that yet? Parts uh, of it. Yeah. Sorry, really. It looks pretty fun. Um, they say that they're. It's actually two different games. The 3DS version and the Wii U version um, are completely different games. <laughs> Do you know what the uh, undermarket name for the, the 3DS version is? What is it? Sonic Lost World Colors. <laughs> really? Yeah, wow. so basically if you played Sonic Colors for the Wii, they're using some kind of chemistry like that for the 3DS version. That- that was a good game, though, right? I mean, I yeah, it wasn't bad. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. I need to actually purchase it, but I did enjoy it. It, it, it was no Sonic <laughs> and the Black Knight, but it was okay. <laughs> oh, I didn't play that one. Or Sonic and the Secret Secret Rings, or whatever it was. I've got the Secret yeah. Rings. That's a, oh man. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. was good. Yeah, that was a good. One. I've got that on the on yep. on a Steam. I enjoy it a lot. Um, Phil with Malice actually hooked me up with a, a code to get it for free off Steam, and that was really thank thank you, Phil with Malice, if you're out there listening. It was it was a really cool. Um, it's a really fun game. I like it. So um, anyway, that I just that was just kind of a side thing that I was thinking about. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. All right, the, the other thing we, we wanted to talk about was uh, the ridiculousness of prices in games and how things seem to shoot up, shoot down, shoot back up as far as um, the prices of, of some rare games. Um, I can't even remember the game we were talking about that have went from like 200 to 700 to 200 again. And what game oh, was well, it? I don't, I don't know if anything jumped back down Amagon. to 200. Amagon. Yeah. Amagon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which Atlas is going to make the next Amagon game? So actually, Nintendo's currently working on the next Amagon game through their partnership with Sega Sammy. Why not? <laughs> I really hope that's not going to happen. Uh-huh. So, who's blowing up? I am. I'm sorry, guys. My wife. She doesn't. It's she doesn't understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, anyways, we were going to talk about the ridiculous of game prices, and uh, I'll be honest with you. One of the reasons this came up was I came across a reseller that was actually selling some stuff at great prices. Like, he sold a load of NES games for, like, you know, bottom line, like, I'm just letting everything go for 5 bucks. So, Star Trek 25th Anniversary, there was a couple $20, $30 games. He was letting them all go for $5. Then he turned around, he had a copy of Snow Brothers, and I was like, how much do you want? And he was like, uh, I don't know, like 180 bucks, something like that. So I ended up getting Snow Brothers. So then he goes ahead and he tells me, by the way, I've also got a copy of Little Samson. So I'm thinking, man, this guy's giving incredible deals. Like, he seems like a cool guy. He's a collector. You know, I, I can't believe this. I'm probably going to get a copy of Little Samson. I said, well, how much do you want? Then he said, yeah, I'd probably have to at least ask for 700, 750, something like that. Oh my God. So I was thinking to myself and I was like, what the hell? I was like, I know for a fact that like a lot of guys on YouTube have just bought this game for around four hundred dollars, and crazy. last last year when I saw it, like it was uh, it and Panic Restaurant were around the same price, so they were going from anywhere from two to three hundred dollars. But I haven't really followed the price. So then I checked eBay.ca, and sure enough, like I mean, uh, Little Samson right now on eBay averages between six fifty to a thousand dollars. Yeah, he crack dealer to you, man. He wrote you in with his five dollar deals, and <laughs> it happens to me all the time. But it's not just that game, too. I mean, like <laughs> when Bunks, Bunks Adventure on the NES is another game that's kind of awkward. It's actually not even a good version of Bunks Adventure. TurboGrafx 16 version is better. Three. But I mean, that went from an eighty six dollar game. That's up to a four hundred dollar game right now. Uh, that's so crazy. where are these prices coming from? And it's the age-old discussion. <laughs> well, I blame us, honestly. Well, I, I blame you, Chris. I blame you. <laughs> it's all my fault because I got all the good games. Like, no, I mean, you know, it, <laughs> I, I really, I, I blame the YouTube community from the standpoint that we made it popular again. You know, more popular. And yeah. um, I mean, as the popularity of the retro gaming community grew, in particular the NES titles. Um, became the most popular. It, it, I mean, at least that's what I've observed, that those have become the most popular um, retro titles. Um, it's because the actual physical cartridge-based games, you know, it, those are the ones that are crazy. Yeah. As for disc and PS2 and PS1, they're, man, they're, they're, they're somewhat reasonable, but not as crazy as Nintendo or freaking Super Nintendo's getting right now. Yeah. And like I said, Game Boy Advance is that, that next thing because it's basically you know portable super nintendo yeah so watch prices uh, i i quote this now watch game boy advanced game prices go up well yeah. i think i think another contributing factor because um it, it's it's the podcast that pat and uh his friend ian who's also another reseller like myself and he even brought up a good point by the fact that uh, there are so many monetizers that will sit on, like, the Little Samson's, Restaurant Panics, even games like Stadium Events, and they will basically jack the prices up, up until somebody who's not willing to wait and find it for a smaller, cheaper price and will just buy it. And that's what really is causing a major increase in prices in games over the past few years. And also just for the fact that the demand for games are just so very common nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I definitely agree with you there, Kev. 
Well, yeah, definitely. You got a really good point there, Kevin. Uh, I, yeah. I, I want to go back to Chris's point, and he says, I blame us. Okay? Chris says that, and I agree with him, but not in the same way of what he's saying. I don't agree that it's because people go on YouTube and make videos about these games. It's because the majority of people that are on YouTube making videos about these games are collectors. Yeah. And how they fund their collections sometimes is by scoping up everything at the flea market, scoping up everything everywhere they go, garage sales, all that stuff. You watch these people, they go to big garage sale videos, and like it starts to click in. Isn't that like the 78 copy of Super Metroid that this guy has picked up? Yeah. And you want to know what he's yeah. doing with them? He's turning around and selling them because that's how he funds his own collection and a little okay. bit more. And these collectors that are going up and grabbing all these games at the great prices, they're not turning around and selling these games at collector bro prices. They're putting them on eBay. They're putting them everywhere. So, yeah. you know, all these people on YouTube that are the first to say, oh, I hate going to the flea market and running into a reseller. Then they turn around, and they're on eBay, and they're doing it themselves. So, I mean, it, it's a, ca a complete contradiction, and I find it ridiculous. It, it's the people that do it the most are actually the first ones to say, like, oh, this Craigslist deal is ridiculous, or this stuff is. Yeah. <laughs> well, why are you turning around and doing the exact same thing that you have such a big problem with? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I totally agree with you there. And it, it's true. Like, a lot of people don't talk about it, but some of the people that are, like, Oh, Craigslist is crazy, and uh, oh, the garage sales were ridiculous today. This guy wanted ten bucks for a copy of Super Mario All Stars. How am I supposed to make my fifteen dollar profit selling it for twenty five? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, exactly, Rich. Yeah, yeah. the darker side to collecting. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of like how you said, but um, since I am in a retail environment, I do get a lot of people bringing stuff in, but. At the same time, I'm still a collector, and it's kind of hard for me to, you know, be able to collect on the side because I've been wanting to get these games for a while. But at the same time, there's overhead fees and pretty much uh, paying for the business license and all this stuff. But at the same time, I'm still giving people good deals because there's a there's this option that I'm probably going to start following since Ian did bring this up during his podcast. And that um, there's a lot of buy-it-now auctions now than there are just, like, straight-up regular auctions. Yeah. And what yeah. he does is he goes on to how much this completed auction went for, and there's, like, you know, a copy of uh, Legend of Zelda, you know, for the Super Nintendo, and there's, like, copies of it that went for, like, 20 to 25, maybe even 27, and he wanted to price it pretty much close to, like, below the regular value or maybe even a little bit close to 25 yeah. See, that to me is at least still giving them a good deal, and at the same time, they're still going to be making profit off of it. See, yeah. the, the, problem, the problem I have with that, and I go through this with the resellers here because I'm actually uh, I'm very well-liked by the resellers, but I'm also completely hated. <laughs> because the first thing I'll do is I'll tell them, I'll say, what are you selling this for? And they'll say, hold on, I'll check my database, which means they're going to scope out eBay really quickly. Yeah. So I scope out eBay at the same time, and I'm like, what'd you find? And then we'll talk about the prices, and then they'll say, well, you know, this completed auction went for 70 bucks, and this buy it now is for 75 so I'd have to try to sell it around 75 And I'm like, that's a bullshit price, because you know what? If you were selling that through eBay, 
you would also lose out on your eBay fees. So, I mean, that price is already somewhat inflated. Yeah. So I don't think eBay is the adequate place to go looking for these prices just because completed auctions and all this stuff. Well, they, but, but it, but it kind of is like the most common form of finding any sort of pricing out there because there, if you kind of put it into perspective, there really isn't a true price guide like how it was with um like if anybody remembers this like back in the early 2000s there was a little magazine that was called the beckett uh price guide and this was a very popular thing back when sports cards and like, oh yeah i i used it all the time for my hockey cards kevin i know exactly what you're talking about it it was probably the most praised price guide out of the entire family and um we never really saw anything else out there, but if there was something like that that was actually still publishing, even for online, I could understand people wanting to use that, but there really isn't a true place to look online because there's been so many places to do it, but even still, those aren't really up to date as to, you know, when prices go inflated. Yeah. There, maybe in the future there might be something like that. I mean, that could be a project that Game On Network might actually do, but for right now, I mean, with eBay, buy it now, completed auctions, I would not even worry about. Just regular auctions that were completed, I would probably stick with those. But try to at least give a little bit of legroom for both collectors and people that don't have a lot of money to spend around to be able well, to purchase these See, games. Kevin, I, I, I'm going to jump back in, Chris. I'm really sorry. No, you're I know fine. you were right in the middle of a sentence. You're fine. No, no. <laughs> but but I, I have a lot more time for a business who put their prices up around eBay prices because I understand that there is overhead. But when it's John coming out of his garage and he's sitting there and he's wearing half a T-shirt, probably pants, probably not, and he's like, well, you know, i got to sell it for the eBay price. What the hell are you doing with the game? You're not wearing pants, man. Just sell me yeah. the game for a reasonable price. Thanks now for visiting. That, I can understand. Yeah, I, well, my thing was uh, there's a there's a local game store. Well, actually, they, they, he's kind of started his own chain. He's got a couple of spots, but here and he he told me straight up like one day I was in there talking to him and he said, you know, I I go um the wife goes on eBay. She looks up the uh the auction, the last sold auction price, and takes ten of them. Averages them out, takes that price and knocks two dollars off of it. And in the end, and he said, "I'm not going to charge what the buy it now prices are because if that's what you want to pay, why wouldn't you just stay at home?" You that's know what right. I'm saying? And he was totally. I mean, that was. I mean, and I love that store because not only what does he was he upfront about that, he'll also cut me deals and cut me breaks if I buy a stack of whatever and, you know, so. I mean, I can understand it from business end. Yes, I mean you've got to you've got to pay people. You got to keep the lights on. I got it. But yeah, Mike, you're totally right. The guy with no pants that just comes out of his garage wanting to charge you eBay prices. Shut up. Get out of my face with that. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's that's my thought on it. Um, but here's the thing: there's two sides to this story too, because the guy with the no pants is looking at his phone and he's like, "I'm getting ripped off here if he's not getting the full price." So, you know, maybe some people out there selling without the proper education as well. And I don't mean – I just mean they don't know what they're doing with this stuff, and they get really offended too. So I, sometimes, like, I've gotten in some really bad situations, but 
Other times, most people understand exactly what I'm saying, and they know if they do cut me a bit of a reasonable price, it's going to be continued business. There's a lot yeah. of people that feed the beast, though, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. but those are also the people that aren't really knowledgeable about what they're buying or selling or whatever. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's, it's rough. <laughs> it's rough stuff. It's a rough market, especially now, I mean, because um, the prices are on a rise, especially with the Nintendo stuff. So, I mean, um, I... I haven't picked anything up in a long time, so, you know, and partially because, well, well, all because I don't have a job, but, <laughs> you know, but I mean, you know, that makes it so much worse, right? Because, you know, even flipping my stuff, you know, I, I'm selling stuff off in my collection just to pay some bills off. Now, that's working out great for me right now because prices are so ridiculously high. Yeah. Anyway. You damn reseller. Yeah. <laughs> But you know what? There, I don't have a problem with putting an auction, like especially yeah. an auction up. You put an auction up, you know, you're taking a risk there. Your item could go for fifteen dollars. Like I bought a really nice copy of uh, Night Trap the other day off this guy that was selling a load of really rare stuff. He had a little Samson. He had a, you know, surprising dinosaur peak out of Vancouver. He was selling the stuff and he got paid for all that stuff. But you know, I got my copy of thirty two. I got my copy of Night Trap for ten dollars. Yeah, free shipping. <laughs> yeah. So, well, and and you can get burned. I mean, I just sold my Contra Hardcore for twenty some odd dollars. Ah, you know. So, and it was card only, but you know, still that game usually goes for a lot more than that. Yep, I know. And, but you know, that's what happens. And yeah. I was okay with it because look, it was just sitting up collecting dust. One, because I don't play it because it kicks my ass. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And um, you know. It was I, it was something I knew I could sell and get more than a dollar for, you know. I said, I thought, well, if it's just going to collect dust and I'm not going to ever play it, and that's another thing about this, the whole thing, you know, is it really makes me take inventory on my collection. Like, am I collecting it just so it's on the shelf and I can brag about the fact that I got a copy of Contra Hardcore, or am I collecting so that I can play these games, you know? So that's that's I guess in the end that's a positive about it is I really have taken yeah. inventory on what I've done to myself. <laughs> See, when it comes to when it comes to like for me my collecting, my collecting habits, the way I collect is right now I'm focused on the complete. I want to get a complete black box collection for the NES, as well as I want to get back my my 35 plus games that I had. Yeah. Original for the mess, and that's it. Now, I also want a full 64 collection because the fact is that the 64 got me through pretty much one of the hardest times of my life, which was high school. I mean, because I went in there, I was getting bullied pretty much every day through high school. Right? Yeah. Until yeah. about grade 11, grade 12, that's when I became the bully. Oh, this is such a Saturday morning special now. Yeah. 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 So well, you oh, know, you were hurt right? for you, but then when you picked on people, everything was cool, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. I felt better about myself. <laughs> so that humanitarian key lesson to the kids out there, you know, if you're if if you're getting bullied, bully yourself. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Be an asshole. It's Start all right. Out. Be an asshole, yeah. Steve, did it's you just sign right. on to the Be A Star program? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but mm-hmm. uh, anyways, go back to your story. Like, I'm sure you didn't actually bully people in grade 12. It was a hard time. You played yeah. the N64, so you want to yeah. recapture those memories. And to be honest, I think yeah, that's exactly. a little bit why all of us do this. Yeah. I want to be that, you know, seven-year-old kid sitting down playing Super Mario Brothers 2 for the first time. Yeah. Every time I turn on my Nintendo, I want to be that guy. And then with then there's with then there's with those systems that I you know spent my most of my time on my weekends out out here, you know, because we I was you know at before high school I was living in St. John's, right? So I used to come out here for the weekends in the summertime and stuff like that, and holiday weekends and that kind of thing, right? And I ended up spending a lot of time at my cousin's house. And we've been playing a lot of Super Nintendo and Genesis. So I want to collect all the games that we, you know, all the games that we rented, you know, yeah. and finished and finished together. You know what I mean? Me and him. Right? Yeah. To have the nostalgic memories of those games, you know, as well, right? Then, yeah. then as for, as for the PS2, PS2 was like pretty much after high school for me, so... Uh, yeah, I did play a lot of the PS2, but there's not really that many games that I really want to collect for that system. Yeah. So there's that one entity right now that is eluding me from my collection, and that's the Dreamcast. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, man, you need to do it. Right yeah, now, I need, off. I need to just bite the bullet and get the system yeah. and buy it. And as Stu Don't would I? put it, as Stu would put it, I mean, you could you can borrow games. <laughs> for that system, you yeah. know, borrow it from the internet. Yep, until you find them. Yeah. I mean, I borrowed a copy of uh, Zombie Night or Zombie Revenge or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm borrowing the hell out of it. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, it's just cool. Anyway, speaking of that system, how easy is the bird games for it? I don't know what you're talking about. What I've are never, you talking about? What What are you talking about? <laughs> what? That doesn't uh, know. I'm actually not very computer savvy, Keeb, and I managed to uh, get it to work. So yeah. yeah, yeah. If there was such a thing, get what yeah. to work. I've never even yeah, heard of that. I'm, I'm going to talk about it. You had to burn off the ISOs. <laughs> yeah. Never happened. Yeah. I've never done that. Well, uh, uh, actually, to tell you the truth, I didn't have a whole lot of Dreamcast games, but I had a lot of emulators on my Dreamcast. Yeah. Dream SNES. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, Sega Stoner is all about... I mean, the Dreamcast can do anything. You can pretty much eliminate your whole collection, and the Dreamcast could be it. Uh, Th- that's what I was going to talk about now. I remember now. Uh, I've noticed also that uh, a lot of people, like... This goes to YouTube, actually. A lot of people that were the YouTube... The generation kind of before we came on that was there probably, you know, six months to a year before a lot of us joined YouTube yeah. Yeah. and... You know, they were on YouTube for a long time. They've actually been disgusted with YouTube and disgusted with game collecting because, I I don't know, I get weirded out with people's philosophy about YouTube and what's important and stuff like that. But it seems like there is a whole group of individuals or community or network that have just turned away from collecting right now because they don't enjoy it as much anymore because it's more about the price and the rarity of the games than being able to pick up these games and just play them anyways. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly. Yeah. Ish. Like, Stu, you, you've got to know a couple people like that. What? They'd rather play it and collect? No, 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 no. That have, because of their philosophy on what's important about 
gaming and the price raises and stuff like that have stopped collecting altogether. Yeah, I, I know a few people like that, but you know, some of those people, you know, they just need to chill out and just remember that everyone has the same kind of uh everyone everyone's into gaming, but they just need to everyone just needs to chill the f out and just freaking play their games and not worry about what other people are doing and stop making themselves disgruntled for those reasons, you know. Yeah, and, the, and just the, you go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just, there's just too much of that. There's just, you know, everyone just needs to chill out, do what makes them happy, collect what makes them happy, play what makes them happy, and to to shun off somebody just because they're doing something that they like that they just so happen to not like anymore, you know, screw that too. Yeah. That's and how I feel about a, it. A thing I think is important to remember is that it's a cycle too because prices are going to go up. They will eventually come down one day, you know, yeah. and yeah. – that's inevitable, but um, so I mean, I, I choose not to get real upset about the price of the games because what could I do anyway? You know, so yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm over the price part. I mean, I played the things I love to play because I like to play them. So exactly. it, it's it's <laughs> Stu brought up a really good point. It's actually ridiculous. Like some people, OK Chief, uh, I've talked to him a lot, and he tells me that. People like get vicious with him because of the price he pays for games. They yeah. like they call him up, man. He gets all kinds of hate because people are like, "You pay too much for your games. You're setting a bad example for the community." And I'm like, "What the hell is wrong with people? Like, obviously the kid's rich. Let him go spend his money." <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's or your you... business anyway. That's right. Yep. And it just, uh, you know, some, some people get better deals than other people do, and they just hate on that, too. But I can understand from the, you know, just like you, Chris, in your area, you don't really find a bunch of stuff at your thrifts and whatever. But when you come to my area, you can find a lot. But there's also a lot of people trying to look for this stuff, too. But I can understand where their frustration comes from. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I get it, but I choose to just just do my thing and not worry about it and let the haters hate, <laughs> you know? So anyway, yeah. no, yeah. Biggie, no. And Hey, I, I went down to, uh, to Kevin's area over the summer to, uh, see some family and I thrifted down there and it wasn't a whole lot better. You know, yeah. I didn't find a whole lot of anything, but like, you know, self plug here. If you haven't watched my thrifting collecting collabo, there's, there's a lot of people in there that say, do they find stuff every day? They're like, no, you got to go either multiple places a day or even every day to get that, that yeah. gem that people find. It's, it, it's a lot of work and people don't just find stuff every day. It's just because they're persistent and they yeah. always go. I, I think Ed, Ed T1138 kind of put it really well. Like he explained to us, you know, we were talking about the fact that he found like 75 copies of, of Earthbound in like two days or something like that. I don't know. I might, yeah. I, I might be exaggerating a little bit, but you know his explanation was he literally covers almost the entire state, you know, in his in his job. You know, he drives throughout the entire state of Ohio, and I mean, and he checks every thrift store along the way, pretty much. You know, I mean, so I mean, of course he's going to find something if he does that every day, and I, I guess people don't realize how much work actually goes into finding those deals. I mean, cause that's a lot of work to commit yourself to check in every day or at least every other day or, or regularly 
for that matter. You know, me jumping out there and going to a Goodwill once every two months, I'm not going to find anything anyway. You know, of course I'm not going to find nothing. Maybe really you nothing. will. Maybe one time you will, but you know, like It'll you said, it's... yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it's it, it, you know, it's a statistical anomaly. And then the Matrix <laughs> guy is going to be there, and he's going to be talking to me, and I won't understand anything he's saying. Anyway, so yeah, that's that. I mean, you know, prices are prices, and they'll drop. Screw it. So I'm over that, you know. But uh, speaking of Ed, let's. Uh, why don't we do the top three? How's that? Absolutely. All right, so um, I, I know for a fact that Mike, um, Mike and Stu and myself, that's kind of um, Ed T1138 used to do the top three Tuesday, and he's he's decided to to uh, resurrect that. Um, so before we ever knew about him resurrecting top three Tuesday, we um, we kind of got the idea to kind of pay an homage and kind of um, a tip of the hat, and uh, really honestly to kind of get back to how we met. Um, we were going to do a top three segment on the podcast. Um, so as part of that, we asked um, Ed to be the first top three um, guest. So what he did was he sent us an audio file of um, his top three question. And uh, here it is. Yeah, I've got a question for you guys. You're the Newfoundland Gamer Podcast. So why is it the NL Gamer Podcast? Why isn't it just the N Gamer Podcast or the NG Podcast or just the NGP? That never really made any sense to me. But then I guess it doesn't make any sense to have two Newfies and a Tar Heel in the Newfoundland Gamers Podcast. But anyway, my top three question. This is what I have for you guys. What are your top three most embarrassing moments in video gaming? And what I really mean is, have you ever been in like a Street Fighter 2 tournament and you got beat by some guy that was just mashing buttons and not putting combinations together? Or you were playing your five-year-old nephew in a game of Super Smash Brothers and you lost badly? Something like that. Some instance where you were playing games and you either got shown up by somebody else or you were trying to show off and embarrass yourself. That's what I want to know. I want to hear your most embarrassing stories while playing video games. All right, so that's the so that was the uh, the topic. Um, Ed wanted us to know. Well, I mean, you guys heard it. What is our three most embarrassing video game related moments? And uh, I'll I'll go last since I know I've got three. I don't know about everybody else, but uh, Keeb, did you have three? embarrassing video game related moments oh yeah yeah and i am deeply ashamed of each one of them okay go ahead fairly deeply ashamed of each one of them they haunt my nightmares every day okay two beings to create two beings that we can two beings to italian gamer 12 in injustice okay and every time i face my cousin Tyler in any game no matter what it is i always end up getting my ass kicked uh, it could be Wii Sports Tennis, and I'll get my ass kicked. There you go. So, I am deeply ashamed of all of that, and if you watch pretty much every episode, with the exception of Versus, with the exception of one, I lose. <laughs> well, every episode. <laughs> Fantastic. In every episode. So, if you want to see me get my ass handed to me, watch the Versus series. <laughs> Kevin, do you have uh, three embarrassing video game related moments, or? Um, 
Honestly, I can't really think of any except for only just one. So I guess uh, you could just call this one through three. Yeah. It's um, it's pretty much when uh, me and a brother of mine had a Sega Genesis and we just got done playing Jurassic Park. And unfortunately, the game didn't work because back then we all knew about rubbing alcohol and to clean the games out with. And um, we basically went to the bathroom to try to get some rubbing alcohol. And I guess uh, my stepsister kind of misunderstood when we meant that the games aren't turning on because I guess you could say they were sick. And it, she, again, she misunderstood. And what she did was she took um, this grape Robitussin spray cough medicine took the cartridge out of the system and sprayed the inside of it. Oh, and gosh. right when we found out that she was doing that, we tried to turn the system on and it didn't work. So she basically got in trouble for it. And we were embarrassed when our uh, family actually came home about it. Oh, that sucks. But yeah, Mike, that's like the only thing I can remember. Uh, Mike, do you got three or any? I I do have three. Uh, the world of online gaming kind of made me totally embarrassed. That's all I'll say, first off. Uh, first would be when I first brought home Street Fighter 4, I considered myself to be a decent Street Fighter you know, player. I thought I could do pretty good. Uh, got some good combos. I'm really good with a uh, Hadouken, you know. Anyways, I start playing the game, not in not in any way against anybody else. And I start playing through the arcade mode, the story mode. And lo and behold, I didn't realize that I was online and that people from the rest of the world could just automatically challenge you. So I thought I was going to turn on a game on easy and learn my way into street fighter four. And instead I had four and you know, 10 and 11 year olds that just absolutely destroyed me with Blanca. <laughs> nice. And I, I it's to this point that I still like I'm I'm afraid like I gotta go in and make sure my settings are to make sure online's off if I'm gonna play like Street Fighter Four or anything like that. I have to do the I, same thing. I've got to do that's the, the first thing. one. The second one also is online. Like uh, NHL is another example. Like I every year I buy the new hockey one. I'm one of those people like a Madden person. I gotta get the new hockey game. I've been playing it for years. Another game I thought I was extremely good at. Online came around and told me that I am absolutely probably one of the worst hockey players in the entire world because I get destroyed by kids. And uh, last but not least, the truth, the true most embarrassing one was I begged my parents after seeing the wizard. We were having this big Nintendo tournament here at our town. Uh, I lived in Mount Pearl growing up as did Keeb. And there was this massive tournament. And, uh, the winner got like, I don't know, it was like $200 worth of Sears gift certificate, something along those lines. So my parents strapped me off and I said, yeah, I'm just going to go in. The tournament's probably going to be probably around five or six hours. So don't come back till then to pick me up because I'm going to be in it till the end. So I go in, I sit down at a TV for 10 minutes and I was eliminated. Then I had to wait there for another five hours to get picked up. So that's probably the most disheartening and embarrassing gaming moment I ever oh. had. <laughs> That's really Poor sad. How old were you? Poor Blake. I was uh, I was ten years old, oh. and it was, on, it was on Super Mario Brothers one, and I thought I was the absolute shit at the game. And then I see everybody doing like the stage uh, one three trick where they're jumping on the uh, turtle yeah. shell, racking up the points, and I knew it was game over then. 
Yeah. <laughs> Stu, what are yours? I actually do not have one. I could not remember one, so I, I'm out on this one. Oh, well. Uh, sorry, sorry, guys. You. Well, I've got three, so I can make up for it. Um, <laughs> I, I'll start with the number three that's the most recent one. Mike, you made me remember it because I, I buried it deep in my subconscious. <laughs> Keeb already knows. Um, so Keeb and I have always been talking about getting online and playing um, – uh, <laughs> the uh, DC versus Mortal Kombat game. Since you know everybody's on there playing that, right? <laughs> seventeen people are all seventy. All seventeen people that play that game. But me and Keeb, it's it's one of the games he and I both have. So we thought, oh, we'll get on there and play. Now I, I you know, fighting genre was kind of always my favorite genre. It was, you know, so I thought, hey, I'm pretty good, you know. I and you know, I thought I can I can whip Keeb's ass, no problem. And I just assumed that. And uh, I got on there, and, and Keeb, Keeb unleashed a fury upon me. I was straight up embarrassed. I was. I was like, I can't. I was so glad I was the only person up playing it. <laughs> I was I was on the verge of tears. Let's put it this way. You got your ass kicked like an altar boy on Sunday. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I did. I, 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 I did. I got, I got beat down. It, that was... <laughs> No denying that. No denying that. So yeah, see, it's Keeb the joking gamer. He's the same as the the, the comedian in The Watchmen. See, yeah, it's all yeah. serious shit. That's the joke. Yeah, that was. Yeah. It was bad. It was bad. I was, I was so screwed. Um, so that was number three. Number two was uh another recent one, fairly recent one. My brother, who I used to be able to stomp a mud hole in his ass and walk it dry on just about anything we ever played. Um, we played, um, Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom 3 at his house recently. And, um, we were playing and, and I, I won one match. And, uh, another one of those things where he just, he was unleashing these combos and like, I could never, I couldn't even block cause I wouldn't have time enough to hit the ground to block. So that was also embarrassing. And he would, and he was like, you know how siblings can be. Um, they were, he was getting the best of me too. Cause I was ready to punch him in the nuts. Cause he was just like, Oh, are you getting mad? Are you getting mad? Ooh, that feels so good. And like, he was just, Oh man, I was ready to kill him. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And probably, uh, my number one, my most, um, my most embarrassing moment was last year at MAGFest. Um, I spent a lot of time playing the Mortal Kombat, um, cabinets in the arcade downstairs. And I was on the Mortal Kombat 1 cabinet. Now, Mortal Kombat is my favorite fighting um, franchise. So, you know, I, I really do enjoy it. I, I think it's funny. They're all fighting games. But anyway, I'm playing um, Mortal Kombat, and this kid walks up and wants to play. You know, they're all on free play, so he just walks up. And, um, you know, I've done fairly well on one player by myself over there for a while. So I thought, this kid's probably never even played this game. And, uh, I mean, he might have been 12. Best case scenario, the kid's 12. He gets up and he and he beats my ass. And um, I seriously wouldn't say a word to the kid. Like everybody else, you know, it's always good game and it's good etiquette. I was like, I was like, well, forget this. And I just kind of walked off and I wouldn't talk to him. <laughs> Who do you use? Uh, I always use Scorpion. Who he use? Oh, he used he used Sub Zero. So. Oh yeah. Anyway, yeah, it sucked. It was, it sucked. But yeah. Scorpion's the spam character in that game. I know. 
And that's why I thought, I got this. And, like, Scorpion's the one I always used. But, I mean, this kid just had, he had impeccable timing. Impeccable timing. I mean, he was nearly flawless in how he played. and It was a nearly flawless victory? <laughs> it was. It was very nearly <laughs> flawless. That little son of a bitch. Anyway. Did he, did he finish you? I got to know. No, he didn't. He didn't know the face. Uh, I was trying to tell him, you know, well, I wasn't telling him shit. I fuck him. But, uh, you know, wow. I'm thinking, you know, anyway, um, no, nah, he didn't do the fatality. He just did the uppercut ending. But that was, that was, that was humiliating enough, little bastard. So, anyway. That's probably even more humiliating. He let you live. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. He had mercy upon me. So I didn't play Mortal Kombat. Uh, at least that cabinet anymore, because I didn't want him to come around and see me on it anymore. I was kind of yeah. scared, which is <laughs> oh, <yeah>. sad. Anyway. <laughs> so that is our top three segment. If you want to be featured on the Game On Network podcast and give us a top three comment or a top three topic, you can personal message that to us either on the Facebook page or um, to the YouTube channel or, you know, those those are the two options. And um, you can you can send in your top three question. It would be great if you also give what your top three are for whatever topic you give. If you're out there and listening, you have three embarrassing moments from your uh, your gaming past, and you want to share them. You can share those as video responses, quote unquote, um, on the Game on Network um, website. You can just post your link down in the comment section. So that all being said, thanks for all you guys that have sent stuff in that I've kind of got in an archive and uh, we, we need more and more submissions. So thanks a lot. That being said, I think it would be a great time to roll into Keeb Speaks. How about it, Keeb? So anyway, anyway, I thought of this for this week's Keeb Speaks and basically I was thinking about like how we, we all know that PS, PS Vita TV is going to be launched. Yes. Why don't the, well, why don't Nintendo release a similar you know, based, you know, system with just, you know, basically just a DS player that hooks up to your TV, in other words, right? Yes, maybe they could, they could throw in, like, I don't know, a Netflix app, Hulu, uh, you know, stuff like that, right? As well, you know, as a selling point, as a selling point, you know what I mean? Right? Yeah. Make it like a, basically a TV you know, a, you know, a TV streaming service, right? Yeah. As well as, you know, a, a game system, you know? So, are you talking about using the, the, the DS system as a controller there, or are you saying, um, between the, the game pad, the game tablet or whatever, and your TV screen, that could be the new, your new two, your new 2DS, what? Your new DS. Yeah, yeah, this. Basically, it will be, of course, cross-compatible with DS, 3D, and 3DS games, and by, like, basically, what it's going to have is a, basically, you know the charge, you know the charge port, right? Sure. Basically, it's going to allow you to, it's going to have a, basically, basically, think of the like game, okay? The old Game Boy, right? Yeah. Yeah, with both char- two char- proprietary charge ports on each end, right? And you connect one charge port to your DS, 
and the other to the the console. Well, but the problem with I have with that is the fact that now everything's wireless, and you start throwing cables out there with people, and they're going to be like, ah, no. I mean, I think I think the idea. I mean, we talked about it earlier. You know, Stu said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike, no, 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 no. It no. That's only going to be for charging. See. Okay. Yeah, you plug one in because, of course, or it could be USB. You know. Well. I don't know. It's whatever, right? <laughs> or, you know, whatever, whichever way it's going to work for for charging the system. You know. Hyperkin, right? if you're listening, but, hire but, this man right now. <laughs> He's a gold mine. Uh, anyway, but okay, it will work. It will will basically what what will be the wireless thing will be it will pick up I guess signals from like a wireless signal from your DS. Okay. As well and be transported by well, transcoded to your <laughs> you know to your console box, right? <laughs> Like the engineer, the like the gentleman. As a controller. Right? <laughs> yeah. The player games, yeah. Okay, okay. Warp speed, Mr. Sulu. Or, uh, or, 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 <laughs> maybe the Wii U gamepad, as well as the, I don't know, even the Pro Controller. Somehow. Okay. <laughs> what? Some nature will figure out all those devices. Okay. Anyway, I think it, I think it could be a merely. That was my interpretation of trying to use Rouge science. Okay. Well, <laughs> that was weird science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it was weird science. I'll say this. I, I think I think the idea of some kind of DS compatibility. It's like Mike said that it's just a modified SD card. Honestly, um, it, let's. I think. I think the idea is a feasible idea yeah, to, to somehow play DS games with the Wii U and the tablet and stuff like that. All that, I don't even really know what you just said, but <laughs> I got lost in Albuquerque. Yeah. But, uh, anyways, uh, I think Stu's going to find out in the uh, next couple of days and I've already been playing it a bit. You can really see the connectivity between the Wii and the Wii U, especially with the legend of Zelda Wind Waker HD, and you could see how that how that DS and 3DS compatibility can work just along with that system, because yeah. as you're playing the game, you're also flawlessly navigating the menu on the lower pad, which is a very cool concept, which we have seen in the uh, DS Zelda releases already somewhat, and other things like that, so it, it just seems like it's a perfect fit. I, I don't know about perfect, like... It's going to be hard to play games like Contra 4 that utilize two screens at all time for action on both screens. Yeah. But some games would work very well using Basically, the two screens of the Wii U. Well, I think about it, those games that use the main screen as well as the touchscreen, you know, the, the touchscreen. Basically, you could use, say, say use your touchscreen for, like, you know, say they use your touchscreen <laughs> for, like, like, using your... Basically, using your getting into your inventory and you know swapping in out items and that kind of thing, you know. Got it. Well, you do that on your gamepad as well. You do that on your gamepad screen, and then you know your TV screen becomes the main screen. I, I think that's what was so my obviously touch screen control the other touch screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. My brain's fried. Yeah. Getting back to the point okay. of this, Contra Four is too hard. 
Contra's hard enough with one screen. What do you need stuff on two screens? <laughs> what the hell, right? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Contra, I want Shattered Soldier like a beast, man. Anybody? Oh, I know it, it's not a it's not a rare game, and it's not an expensive game, but I don't have a job, people. <laughs> so if you're yeah. listening, you got a copy, or you want to hook me up on that, shoot me a message. Yeah. It'd be great. I'm uh, kind hey, of... Hey, hey. Chris, I have a copy. If you have a bunch of PS2 games that you're not looking, we can just do a swap straight up. So All right, we might, we might better work something out. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I want to play it so bad, man. It was like a, me and a. It's one of those like nostalgia things. Me and a buddy played it a whole bunch in college. So anyway, let's do uh, games we've been playing, and uh, we'll we'll be pretty close to closing things out. So let's do games we've been okay. playing. Um, let's do new guys first. So Kevin, what's uh what you been playing? Uh, nothing. M- moving on. <laughs> okay. Uh, nothing. Have that? No, I haven't. Well, what's the thing is, the thing is, I haven't really had time to play anything new lately, so it's kind cool. of been just reading and watching videos, but that's been about it. Hey. Cool. Stu, you're next. And then Key, you'll go up, Stu. Well, I have been playing like everyone else, Grand Theft Auto V, but uh, in between that time, I recently broke my TV, so I've been trying to figure out another way to get, you know, my scanline goodness. So I've been just doing a lot of research on the SLG 3000, which is a scanline generator, so I can use it with newer HD TVs. I know that sucks because it's not really a, a CRT. But also, I didn't feel like carrying another 100-pound TV upstairs and downstairs. <laughs> but oh, I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward to what I'm going to – I'll post a video later. But basically what I did is I'm getting an S-video converter to VGA, and VGA goes into the monitor, and VGA feeds to the SLG, if any of that made sense. But hopefully by the end of it, I will have a, a decent setup right on my desk that won't crush it. Cool. That's cool. Okay. But I've been playing a lot of Mega Man and a nice. lot of shooters on the Super Nintendo. Good deal. That's about Keep what you been playing? Um, Justice Gods Among Us, because I already did I did a very ten minutes for the for the review itself, which I gotta say is my third review I've done now, and it's by far probably the one that obviously looks the best. Yeah. Yeah. I do that much keep it. There was because yeah. I actually put a lot of time into that review, believe it or not. Even though I winged the to- I winged the whole review. Yeah. Without a script. And I actually wrote scripts for the first two reviews. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And so I've been playing with that. I've been playing a bit of Back Ops 2. And then just a, you know, just a decent, the same rug of NES games pretty much. Cool. You know, Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 2, 3, you know, Teenage Mutant Nationals 2, the arcade game, and a few others like that. Cool. Mike? I lost my life for a long period of time because I played and became completely invested in Grand Theft Auto V, and yeah. I loved it, and I'm I was sad when it was over. Oh. And uh, I, I'm still trying to capture that experience again. I haven't found haven't found it again yet. But I moved on to two really great games. I'm currently playing Tales of Zillia on the PS3, and I'm also playing Legend of Zelda: Wind Waker HD. And uh, I'm surprised 
how little I remember of that game. It's like I'm playing it again for the first time because I got that launch day and finished it right away and I haven't touched it since. And it truly is beautiful and I'm really having a lot of fun playing it again. Haven't been playing a lot of retro games, but I have found a game that I'm completely in love with and I've been trying to force my friends to buy it too. And I think everybody should try it. And that's Wampum on the NES, yeah. which is actually a really fun game. Yeah, you, you've you been hounding me about it, so <laughs> I'll have to look into it. But uh, Is that Wampum. it? That's it. All right. Well, I guess it's my turn. Uh, I finally finished Rule of Rose and did my review. Um, yep. That that's a that's a wild game, man. Um, I'll say, I mean, it's like I said in the review. You just explore as much as you possibly can, so that you really learn as much as you possibly can. Um, what else have I been playing? I finished the game that I'm going to be reviewing for um, Halloween. That was that man. That the game I'm playing and that I'm doing is is a really it's a very short short game in my opinion. It only took me twenty some odd minutes to beat it. And um, it's really fast. But uh, it's good. Um, I finally finished Contra. I've never finished that. Even as a kid, I never finished the original Contra. Finally you finished, finished Contra Asterix. Yeah, I used the code, but I did finish Cheer. it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll take it anyway and get it. But uh, Cheer. Yeah, I did that. Um, I've been playing, I played Super Mario Brothers, the original Super Mario Brothers, so I could crush Ryan right now's um, speed run. Yeah, you sure did. Uh, they tra- they trash talked me whenever I did that challenge, so I brought the thunder. And uh, <laughs> three seconds, bitches, I beat him by three seconds. Um, and I actually the the funny thing is that was the second run because my first run I recorded I beat him by eight seconds. I killed it, and I was like, oh yes, and it didn't record. So that was a that was not good. Yeah, you've been having some problems with that lately, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, uh, the recording program's been crashing on me when I was been recording, so yeah. I don't know what's going on with it, but I think I'm just going to uninstall and reinstall and see if that fixes it, and uh, who knows. Um, I've been playing some um, arcade games, been playing some G.I. Joe, yes. per, per Mike's uh, requ- um, recommendation. That game's a lot of Yeah, yeah, Demand. That, that game's a lot of fun, man. I, I really feel cheated that I never had it in any of my local arcades around here. It's so really, good. it's really a lot of fun. It reminds me a lot of um, Space Harrier, only better to me. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, it's, it's, it's. I find it to be much better than Space Harrier, in my opinion. I don't know. I, I don't always bump into shit. In the yeah. beginning of that game, do you block that those giant silos, or do you run through them? You, you shoot them. I shoot them. You shoot oh, them out. Okay. You unleash the <laughs> dragon. Um, I think that's everything. I, I've been doing a lot of like. I've been playing a lot of Nintendo this week. So, a lot of I've been pl- playing a lot of Nintendo, a lot of arcade games. Really, more more or less to capture video footage for intros and different things like that. But, um, man, I, I've I've got to get my hands on a lot of really great games. I played Panic Restaurant for a little while the other night, and that game's Pit awesome, Fighter. isn't it? Man, it's really I really do enjoy it. I really want to go through it and commit more time to it because it the music's really cool. I was really yeah. impressed with the music, and the and and it's not too difficult of a game. At least the first level, it's you know, it feels it was fun. It was it's just good fun. Um, so, you know, it wasn't stressful in any way. So, in I my opinion, if if they put GI Joe on like Xbox Live Arcade or PSN or something like that, and did like online cooperative multiplayer, oh my, like I I'd, I'd quit my job. 
Yeah. I'd just be done. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'd have to quit it before you lost it. You know what I'm saying? So That's true. <laughs> that's the thing about that. So, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a lot. That's a fun game, man. And, it, it you know, Space Harrier is one. It, like I said, it reminds me of Space Harrier. But um, Space Harrier, I get almost dizzy feeling when I play it because there's too much motion, in my opinion, going on on the screen for me. I don't know. Yeah, but, I, I, I get the same feeling with Afterburner at times. Yeah, that's another one, man. The arcade cabinet for Afterburner makes me want to throw up. Yeah. Like, especially when you start doing all those spins and crap. Oh, craziness. Well, uh, you know, we've been doing this for uh, an hour and a half. Anyway, uh, that was that has been the first episode of the Game On Network podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we hope you subscribe. We hope you check out the Game On Network um, website. We hope you check out the Game On Network Facebook page. Um, subscribe to the iTunes feed. I, I really can't reiterate enough how much fun this is to do this show and uh, how great it is to have um, some new blood in the house, um, and especially when it's guys that I just really genuinely love talking to and, and doing the video game thing with. So uh, honestly, in all seriousness, um, you four fellas are a lot of fun to hang out with. So that's me in my sappy moment, and I'm done. Yeah. I'm gonna... <laughs> so uh, this is me signing out, Weekend Game Guys, saying goodbye, and uh, I'll leave it to you fellas to say goodnight yourselves. Well, good night, guys. See y'all the next episode. Well, good night. <laughs> Till the next time. Till the next episode. Till the next podcast. We will... See you next time, yeah. Mm -hmm. Think about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rock the fuck on. Oh, Chris. Yo. Did, did, did you play RC Prime 2 as well? I did. I nice. Played, I played all the time. Oh. Me too. <laughs> Good night.